This is Crossing Phase, the first podcast featuring a Christian and a Muslim talking religion and politics. Your co-hosts are me, Matt Hawkins, a once policy director for the Southern Baptist Convention, and my friend John Pinna. Rambunctious as he is, former director of government and international relations of the American Islamic Congress. For this episode, we're going to get into Ramadan. It's Ramadan 2020, started a few days ago. Since we launched the Crossing Phase podcast, this is the first time in which we've recorded and published a, uh, an episode during Ramadan, and so we're going to get into that with John. If you're not already listening through one of these outlets, we're available through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn, and of course, always at CrossingFaiths.com. John Pinna, how are you, brother? I'm well. I'm well, and soon... Our YouTube channel will be up and running, which all everything will be available on there. Sweet. And we'll start having sweet. our. I know it's 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 uh, it's a little challenging to get it all together, but that's on my plate. Um, yeah. And then we've got uh, a whole series that we're going to have with some theologians, and we're going to be calling it "Confronting Faith." Ooh. Th- that's new to you. So that's all right. I'm uh, all for I it. Think it's not, it's not my idea. Totally not my idea. Um, so that was Father John's idea. That's and good. then uh, he said, why don't we do something called confronting faiths? And I'm like, okay. And uh, and um, so we're going to be doing that mini series. That'll be a component of crossing faiths, like a subgroup. Sweet. And uh, I like it. And we're going to start bringing on some, some other um, hosts to – uh, take the burden off of us when we're traveling and bouncing around and back and forth. So it'll be, you know, uh, Johnny P and uh, and X or uh, Matthew and X, yeah, and like it. it'll create a dynamic. Um, so we've got some like guest that's co-host. It. and then we've got our speaker list. Yeah, yeah. guest co-hosts, and then we yeah, got yeah. speakers that we're going to bring in to interview. So we're building that schedule out. So it's going to be uh, it's going to be pretty dynamic, and we've got some pretty heavy hitters ready to commit, or they've already committed to us. Nice. You and I both have looming writing deadlines on our shoulders that we probably should get back to as soon as we get off the microphone. Uh, but tell me a little bit about the paper that you're delivering, if you can say so so far, because we we've kind of talked about it over previous episodes because you were on. You were traveling abroad and you were doing some research. So broad strokes, what are you trying to turn in this week? Well, I have a 17 page uh, or 17, 17,000 word uh, document that's based on research. Uh, the research topic is uh, I'm uh, investigating the Afghan Ulama Council in Afghanistan, which is sort of it's an interesting structure. There's a there's a, a sort of national council we have of clergy that meet, and then that our, our representatives they each been each uh, um, province sends a representative to that council. So it's governed under the Ministry of Hajj and Religion Religious Affairs, yeah. uh, which is a ministry within in uh, Afghanistan. So it starts off with it's an Afghan the Afghan government is formed as a Islamic State, uh, that's the first article in the Constitution. Second article says that they're going to protect religious minorities, religious uh, communities. Uh, It doesn't matter that it's an Islamic State because uh, Islam protects all religions, and we're going to actualize that. Uh, And then in, I think it's Article 6 or 7, I can't remember right now, this says that that Afghanistan is going to be in 
in adherence to the UDHR, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The operation of this is the Ministry of Hajj and 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 religion, uh, where there's a minister, and then there's this quasi-governmental institution called the, the Afghan Ulama Council. And the Afghan Ulama Council is, like I said, one representative from each uh, um, province comes on a national basis and sits down and governs over uh, religious affairs. Um, and so the challenge is, is that it's sort of like a quasi-governmental institution like like the United States Commission for International Religious Freedom uh -huh. or the United States Institute for Peace, USIP or USERF, which are quasi-governmental institutions in, in America that govern USIP is war and USERF, United uh -huh. States Commission for International Religious Freedom is religion. So that's what the, the, this, the, Afghan, the Afghan Ulama Council is. And then at the local level, they're arbitrating on issues. So for example, there's the penal code and there's the uh, the civil code in in Afghanistan, but then there's a lot of stuff that's not covered by the by that yeah. by those two codes. And before elements get to those codes, when we're talking we're talking about religiously, it usually goes to the local ulama councils. So it, it could be any issue. Um, but I'm focusing on freedom of religion, belief, you know, international religious freedom how religious freedom is governed by this entity. And so what we've done is reviewed 700 cases and uh, and then created, you know, evaluated what those cases are and how they relate to religious freedom norms on an international basis. So 17,000 words at this point, you know, multiple graphs, trying to figure out the infographics and and how things fit. And, uh, and I'll just be honest with you, my biggest gripe right now is uh, I think that this is the nerds need to get together and figure out why how we cite we cite we do citations simplifies the, we, simplify the style right yeah we got we've got Oxford we got Chicago we've got APA we've got enough's enough and subsections you know, of all those right so you know like sub styles of Chicago yeah. with Turabian and I'm working on SBL style guides and for crying out loud. It's just this is why academics are really good at what at, at re doing research, but then they're too smart for their own good. There's all this muddying of the water with how to cite things, and then they're calling you out on it. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, well, you had APA, not this one. I'll go, I go, you know, potato, potato, you know. And so I'm all for simplification. I, I understand the need for conventions. We have to have stuff that you know is systematically formatted so that we're all speaking the same technical language. I get that. But my goodness, it's all over the map. And within the styles, some of this stuff is so arbitrary. Oh, I, I have no idea what's going on half the time. And then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pinging my, my buddies and I'm going, is this, and they're like, oh, your citations are wrong here. And I go, well, do you think they're going to ding me on that? You know, do you think that that's like, we're, they're going to die on that hill? So now I, I'm like, I'm trying to figure that out, but I think that there needs to be crossing phases for uniform citations globally. I'm, I'm for it. Right? Yes. We're making that statement uniform. right now. And no more of this, uh, you can't ask questions about the nuances of the formatting. Why, why for example, do you separate components of a, of a citation entry with periods in a bibliography, but commas in a footnote. It makes no sense. Yeah. It's no, completely no, arbitrary. No one, no one Just knows. give me a reason. If there's a reason, great. I'll abide. But come on. It's like, uh, so my, you, so you, hear, my, you hear so that story. My, Go ahead. 
Well, my citation. You know what my citation? My citation consult, consultant said. What? It's like the ta- the U.S. tax code. No one really knows what it's about. Mm-hmm. But we just kind of just muddle through. Right. And yeah. it's 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 just a matter of if they catch you. Right. That's what they said to me. I go. Yeah. I don't. Even, I don't even know what that means. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you remember? You hear the? Uh, it's it's a. Uh, the the tale of um of when a family was following a recipe to um uh cook i forget what it was like a ham or a you know a, or a, a beef you know loin or something like that and uh the recipe um the family had been following for years every member of the family would lop off the end of this meat whatever the cut of meat was and uh, that was part of the recipe. And fi- someone asked, "Why are you doing that?" And people were like, "I don't know. Uh, we just we've just always done it this way." They tracked it back to like you know the matriarch of of the family, like a grandmother or someone. And they asked, "Why do you cut the butt off of this uh, meat or the end of it?" And they're like, "Well, the pan we had wouldn't the meat wouldn't fit in the pan we had." <laughs> <laughs> and so now you know, a generation later, people have pans that are you know, completely, uh, could completely, uh, consume the, uh, the meat at hand. There's no need to lop off the ends where the people were still doing it. That's how I feel about style guides. Yeah. No, no, that's the thing. I don't know what, I, I just feel like somebody, and I don't know how this works because I remember in the, um, I done a lot of consulting work for different universities and colleges and some are, you know, certified their, their curriculum is, you know, approved by different entities and there's multiple entities that approve the curriculums, you know, like the, the, yeah. the, the Middle East States conference and the media, you know, that type of thing. And so it, it's, there's too many governing bodies and there's no one person in charge, but people follow the leads of people. But if their better, better style comes in, like, remember this whole thing with the Dewey decimal system, is that <laughs> Remember that? And then some, and somehow it was uh, the Library of Congress and, and now Dewey's done, Dewey's done. No one's doing the right. Dewey. Yeah. Remember well, all that or, stuff? Or two spaces after a period. Oh, well, the, the that, that convention, I, that convention was because of mechanical analog typewriters. Oh, and once you, you get in the digital space, it's unnecessary, but people still do it. You could knock at a deaf man's door all day. All right. So that's <laughs> all I can say. And, and all, and, and I, all I know is, is that there's, there's, there's a bunch of people that are just so, you know, this is their, this is all they know. Yeah. So this is, they, you know, they don't want to be obsolete. So they keep coming up with new and better versions. And I just, I'll hey, just be honest with you. Hey, I don't here, know what's here, going on. Here's my, here, here's my fight song, John. If we can kick Pluto out of, out of the list of planets, we can simplify style guides. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean. It can be done. Well, yeah, if we're sending a, I was, we're sending a car In our that's lifetime. going around. Mars, right? And if I, or here's what I got one better for you. If someone can figure out how to buy and sell pieces of the moon, moon, moon property, acres on the moon and acres on Mars, because I could yeah. see that on Groupon all the time, then we can figure this out. Here's my proposal to you, John. I'm going to loop in uh, part of a conversation we had with my friend. Uh, I have had with Michael Ware, who uh, is a political strategist, strategist, former Obama employee in the White House, and is doing some really cool stuff regarding civic engagement. And he's doing some projects with PACE, Philanthropy for Active Civic Engagement. Uh, so uh, we'll make sure to flag that on all of our social media channels once that interview is up. But one of the things we talked about, he asked me, is there... Uh, is the question, is it worth bridge building for the sake of bridge building? 
like across faith groups, right? And uh, I said, well, in my experience, um, not often, you know, not not very much. And here's an example, John, where we could unite Christian, Muslim, Jewish, whoever else scholars on a on a project of shared interest to simplify academic style, and that would increase bridge building across faith lines. How about that? That's my proposal to you. I mean, I, here's the thing. I'm all for it. It just sounds like a mouthful. I can't, I can imagine me trying to explain this in whatever language to somebody. Oh, we'd have to, and, we'd have to wordsmith it. We, this is yeah. uh, no judgment in brainstorming, but yeah. Okay. Listen, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. Is that going to be a tagline at the end, at the bottom of our thing? Please donate to, okay. you know, uniform. Yeah. To, what's the hashtag? Citations uniform. What's the, what's the, what's the hashtag? Stop the academic madness. That's too long. Yeah. Like uh, citation strong. You know? Citation strong. I don't know. That's what everybody <laughs> says. You know? That's what everybody does is something it puts strong on the end of it. And you're, you know, splitting the atom apparently. That's right. That's right. I saw, I saw it this morning driving past a, a barbershop uh, in, in uh, Lebanon, Tennessee. Lebanon strong was the uh, hashtag. That's great. So, so here's the thing. Yeah, okay. Are you Corona free? Because did so you, far, have you well, been as as we mining, um, Lysol and did you yeah. drink your, your, uh, <laughs> did I drink my Clorox? <laughs> yeah. Everybody's talking about that. I don't want to get too Corona, but to, on, the, on this episode, oh, but so stupid, uh, you know, I got, I got slammed because of that. Everybody's like, well, you do a lot of work with the White House, you know, what's going on? And I go, I didn't, I didn't brief him. I don't know. You know, like. I was like, I'm, I'm no part. I have no part. And you can't follow this stuff daily, man. It's, it's no good. The, the information, the quality of information, even coming from official sources. I mean, check in once a week on the coronavirus stuff, do the quarantine, you know, be responsible, wash your hands, you know, well, I'm lucky. Wear wear a face mask when you can't social distance, like be smart, but like. Man, well, I, in, imbibing uh, on on twenty four seven media at a time like this is really unhelpful. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that, I, like I said, advise uh, administrations back to Clinton, you know, Bush, Obama. This one's no different. I, I've been involved in the reopening of religious places of worship uh-huh. and working with the the COVID interfaith multi faith group to to talk about how to do that, and yeah. particularly on the on the cusp, you know, we're we had we had Passover, Easter, you no know, Ramadan, and and so it's you know how do you what are the right things to do you know do you take do you you have to increase you have to increase your amount of services right. and decrease the population in your right. in your um, so they can all spread in out your, yeah. yeah so let's see instead of having two hundred people you know two hundred people in one in one sitting you might have to have you know ten. 10 sittings with yeah. 20 people yeah. and, uh, you know, ticketing your events and make sure that you're maintaining distances. And, and a lot of people don't realize, you know, we don't, we, I was on the phone with a bunch of evangelicals and they were like, well, just space the chairs. And I go, there's no, there's no chairs at the mosque. What are you, yeah. you know, I, I was like, what are you talking about? They're like, they're like, they're, you just space the chairs. I go, there's no, it's we a big don't have carpet. chairs here. The prayer rug is Janama's right. And then you, you can, you know, I'm thinking maybe two or three, prayer spaces between everybody yeah. and and so we were chatting about it was it was just it was really interesting that's for us to get into that conversation yeah yeah it's like there's no chairs what are you talking what, what, what are we talking like, about i feel like puts like mark spots down like they're, they're doing at grocery stores like well i mean and you know and, and, and you know the people were t- they were i got some interesting questions one of the questions was was how come the men and women are separate in the churches i go are in the mosques and i go yeah. well 
I go, there's welcome to Islam. This is what I always learned, and I and I and I and it to me it makes sense. When you sal- when when you salat out, when you do salat, you, you pray. There's a, there's there's you go to ruku. There's you we we bend down, and for very practical purposes, women didn't want to bend down in front of men. Sure. You know, it's a part of yeah. the of being chaste, of being um, uh, you know, modest, and yeah. and so that's why originally they were separate, you know, places. I mean, there was the whole thing of men, women back in the day when everybody was, yeah. you know, back in the in the ancient times. But you see, it, you see it as plausible to read it as as a as an effort in modesty. Well, this is here's the thing. If so you want to know the reality, you want to know okay. the truth. Okay, one is I, well, it's not my. I mean, well, help us. Help do you us know parse. many women that bend that want to bend over in front of men? No. Okay, let's no. just start with that. Well, so that's that's a very yeah, help, reasonable help. moment. Okay, sure. and and I'm not saying sexist, sexist, but it it's men men. Nobody wants to be bending over in front of anybody, and and so the other thing is is that there's a there's an access issue when it comes to women and 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 children having access to you know to to step out. Okay. In the middle of of you know the chutzpah, the, the you know or or you know juma prayer or whatever it is, and being able to come and go, there's a, there's another access. You know, generally, I mean, I, I you know men come in with their kids too, and sure. and so, but but it's just one of those practices. Um, I mean, I used to you, go. You're, you're seeing it as it helps. There's a reason that it helps facilitate logistics. I, I, yeah, that's how I see it. I mean, I'm there are some. But I mean, of course, just like in any place of worship, there's a bunch of dudes over there that say women can't do this and women can't yeah. do that. And then you get into some kind of discussion about it. Like, well, well why? That's always my question. Where's what are we talking about here? Um, it, are, but, is there a segment? Is there a stream of that? Um, that are, are there streams into that that come from a subjugate subjugation of women? Uh, from a more patriarchal, yeah, like, so you get the masala, the prayer space, and then the masala. Like, it, if a woman walks into the man section, generally, like you'll get some old timers that say something, uh-huh. and you know because they're not used to it, um, and it's something that could be an affront to them, but they just got to get over it. It's just you know, it's like, hey, you know what? She's she's coming in to make an announcement. Hey, they worked here. Hey, this is good. It just is what it is. You know, like it's not. Is there, pers- it's not is there proscription spaces. or uh, is there any guidance in the Quran for this? Well, not, uh, you know, not that I know of. Um, I, I think that the, the prayer space, there needs to be, you know, there used to be prayer space, equal prayer space for uh, both men and women. Uh, there's been a tradition, though. So, for example, in Turkey, um, I don't know when they lay, they, it was about 10 years ago. Women weren't allowed to salat out in mosques. They just had to salat out. They had to pray at home oh, wow. and they just, they, you know, so that wasn't, that was a, you read, that as, a, you read that as a cultural thing, less of a, it's most of thing. the, most of the restrictions of women, uh, come from a cultural construct. So it's, you know, it's Arab culture overlaid over Islam or Pakistani uh-huh. culture overlaid over Islam. Um, some of it's very practical. Like I was saying, there's, uh, uh, there, there's, there was a, a masjid that I was going to down in, in Jersey and they just had limited space. So they would have men's, the men's, the men's section, the men's, uh, service, and then they change it out. And in the same prayer space, the uh-huh. women came, you know, it wasn't a separate prayer space. So it would be, they just keep changing out men and women to make, you know, make sure that the, that everybody was comfortable. Uh, um, I don't know. I've, I've, but then, then again, I've had integrated 
sessions at the at the mosque and everything's fine so you know everybody just kind of does what they want so it's um but i think a lot of it has to do with like the traditions and where people come from and mm-hmm. and what their cultural context is but a lot of it is what you're comfortable with it's just yeah. like a church you pop into a church i don't feel comfortable here i'm going to go down the road and then to the next one yeah. you know and then these guys these guys serve sandwiches so i'm going to be with them you know so it's um it's the same thing. Right. Um, so speaking yeah, of, it's a yeah. great transition. You set us up perfectly. You know where I'm going with this. We're, talk, we're talking about tradition within Islam, and you're talking about sure. sandwiches. So let's talk <laughs> about it. This is Ramadan. Sandwiches uh, Sandwiches are not part of your uh, daylight uh, routine now. So let's talk right. a little bit about this, because I want to I wanna chat a little bit about Ramadan, especially to um, for my fellow Christians and evangelicals who kind of know it's a thing. We know fasting is part of it. Um, but let's let's talk about this and uh, just I'll pepper you with some some short questions and uh, we'll get started and uh, you can riff a little bit on this. So what basically is Ramadan? So Ramadan is a couple of different things. So there's five pillars in Islam, right? So there's five things that 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 a Muslim commits to in Islam, right? And so it's the profession of the faith, right? Which is called the Shahada, which is uh, that there's no God um, other uh, other than no God, but God, one, one, one God, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, as Muhammad, you know, peace be upon him, his family are is the messenger. So is the last prophet. So when we when we say the prophet. We're, we're referring to Muhammad, and we just mean he's the last prophet. Hazadisa is a prophet in Islam. Uh, Jesus, Musa, Moses, Ab- Abraham, Abraham—they're all—they're all part of the same Abrahamic lineage. Then there's prayer, which is salat, which I always mention—you know, praying. So salat out. I always say that. Um, um, uh, uh, alms, which is zakat, donation, giving to charity. Um, there's the pilgrimage, which is Hajj, and then. There's uh, fasting, which is uh, swamp. So um, that is what we're talking about now. It's an obligation in the Quran. It talks about Ramadan uh, and the idea that the it commemorates. So it's it's about fasting and sacrifice um, and reflection, um, mm-hmm. as well as a kind of atonement. Okay. Right. So you're you're you know I always say you know haram out you know sin as much as you can before Ramadan and then <laughs> let's let's you know, you know, haram out so that you can salat out, and then you know you can fast. You do, you do, you know. And in, Christianity, then in Christianity, we call that antinomianism. Antinomianism. You guys got all these fancy words. I, we just have haram, and I just, I just say haram out. You know, let's let's do it. Let's get it done. Now, um, but here's the thing. So, so these are the these are the sort of the, the sort of operational activities, right? Fasting yeah. Yeah. and and praying. You're supposed to. And you're, you're, you know, there's, there's a, a whole idea of, of, of atonement. But why? This is it's generally the ninth month of the calendar, and the idea is, is that this is when the Quran was revealed to the Prophet. Uh-huh. So yeah, so, so there's another tell me about the timeline because for we Westerners, uh, Ramadan seems like it keeps jumping around the calendar. Whereas like we got oh, we got Christmas man, it's December twenty fifth every year. It's reliable. There's some flex with Easter, but that's one day that flexes between March and April. What's the deal with Ramadan? So we're on a lunar calendar, and I can't. You know, this is this is one <laughs> of those things where 
What's that? But I, you know I'm messing with you, but it's a question. Well, here's the problem. Here's the challenge is that, I, you know, the, the lunar calendar in Islam is not – it's not static. It's dynamic. And so, so my Muslim brothers, so my Muslim brothers and sisters out there, they may or may not. I don't know if they're going to laugh at this one or not. But the fact is, is that there's so many different moons in Islam. Generally, two different moons. There's the Shia moon and the Sunni moon. Oh, so no. like Shia. So I always, it's it's who confirms the moon and when. Um, so uh-huh. for example, yeah. uh, you know, you could. It's it's usually your guy. Right. So your Ayatollah or uh-huh. your uh, um, school of jurisprudence that confirms the moon. Right. Con- so confirms the moon. Sunni, it, Sunni's just means really seeing the moon, the Ramadan moon in the sky. Is that what confirm yeah. the moon means? Okay. Yeah. Confirming its existence at a particular moment okay. and its particular phase. Okay. And so, you know, sun up to sundown. Right. And then you're the, the, there's, there's a whole thing with what's what does what is actually sundown? Right. Is it right. is it the setting of the sun or actually when it it tips over over the land yeah. mass? Uh-huh. You know, and it depends if you're at an elevation. It helps if you're right. if a mountains on the other side, because then it's right. then you can you're fast. It's dark. Right. Um, so but so are they sitting out there with binoculars, a telescope so looking at the horizon? The thing, some people some people don't do it until it's declared by their guy. Okay. So, so like Sistani, you know, he's a Shia cleric, um, um, Ayatollah in in uh, in Iraq, the largest Shia Twelver uh, uh, Jaffrey community outside of 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 Iran, and if he when he declares when his office declares its sunset is when you rock when you break the fast. Okay. So let's walk through what happens, right? So the Quran is revealed. What are the things you do during Ramadan? You you got to read the it's it's a tradition to read the Quran all the way through the month. So from from right. one end to to you know from the beginning to end. Right. Um, so many, that's that's. But how that's like what, what kind of pace is that? Is that a is that a quick pace or is that like is that totally doable? You know it it's it is it's doable. It's tough. It's doable. But there's a lot of so this this is coupled though with um, every night. So you you do your. Uh, uh, you wake up at Fajr in the morning, which is morning prayer before sunup. You'll 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 you know you pray. You you know you do all your stuff. You eat, and you then sunup comes. No food, no water till sundown. Yeah, sun and it was called Maghrib. Maghrib gotta, prayer. That's night you, prayer. If you're gonna have breakfast, you got to get up before sunup. Right. Yeah. And right. then and then you have Maghrib prayer, and then you have uh, so you do a uh, it's called iftar, which is the breaking of the fast. Right. And uh, and so you do iftar, which is the breaking of the fast, and then you know you what you'll do is you know you you'll salat, you'll pray, uh, Maghrib, and then you eat. Uh, and uh-huh. generally during the iftar, if you're going to a lot of people just are would go to the masjid, would go to the mosque, and then they will go through different stories from from the Quran, different surahs, they'll talk about stuff, they'll tell, uh-huh. you know, and that's, and it's a pretty cool deal. And so there's a, there's a, it's a very community oriented um, month because you're, uh, you're spending time with your family in the morning, you're doing iftar and, you know, you remember our, our, our time, we do a lot of multi-faith iftars. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, uh, America's Islamic Congress co- coordinate with the American uh, Jewish committee, and we we did a series of iftars at the British embassy, and then the embassies do all their stuff. All the the, the Muslim countries do it, um, and 
it was it's a, it's a so there's this 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 communal component and there's an engagement component to it because if I was if I was going to suggest to anybody I go listen best time to hang out with Muslims is iftar <laughs> because you, first of all you're going to eat really well and and everybody's on their best behavior because right. <laughs> nobody everybody's a Tony you know what you guys you know. So it's a really great moment to engage and eat yeah. some good food and hang out. So yeah. let's talk a bit, a little bit more about that engagement. So, what what do I say to a Muslim friend during the month of Ramadan? What do I say? What do I not say? What is there a greeting? Just no, I, I mean, here's the thing. Just say if Happy you, Ramadan. Is it that simple? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Is if there, there an Arabic it, language I, I need say, to memorize? I always say Ramadan Kareem, which means Ramadan blessings, okay. and I. And then Ramadan Mubarak is probably what everybody is here, which means essentially blessings or like happy Ramadan. But you could just say happy Ramadan. Like it's okay. You know, like that's – there's no – anybody who tells you any different is lying to you. You could just say happy Ramadan because here's the thing. There's no pretense in in a world where – in a multi-faith world, you know. so And that's not inappropriately westernized. Well, I mean, my, I'm sure ISIS would disagree, or I'm sure that the <laughs> Taliban would disagree, and my Wahhabi friends would say there's a proper way of doing everything. Okay. For example, well, we're, we're, breaking the fast with, sure. with, with a, uh, what is it called, the um, uh, with a date. You know, the prophet that was okay, his right. that was his jam. Yeah. You know, so everybody busts out the dates. You know, you know I, I heard a, I heard a gentleman in the grocery store yesterday afternoon ask where the dates were, and it did not occur to me that he might be Muslim. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible, I mean, right? It, if 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 that's part of the breaking of the fast, you got to have dates. So here's the deal: when I do iftar, I always have dates in the house because if you don't, uh-huh. it's like a hate crime. People freak out. <laughs> the problem is, is that's that if you've ever had, if you've ever had a terrible date, then you are very hyper suspicious. It'll tell you right away if the person is cheap or not. <laughs> because a, a a terrible date is like gummy, fleshy. Uh-huh. Like imagine what you would do if you were going to eat into like a finger because it has a, right. it has a pit in it and it's, it's terrible. A yeah. really good date. You could always tell who's, yeah. who's on point, you know, right. and this is not so the what time. Are you looking, to, what are you looking for in a good date? I don't know. Like, you know, a blonde six foot tall. I don't know. I, I think, you know, here's the thing. I, you know, it's. It, I I remember going to, talking to a friend of mine, and we were chatting about wine. I said, "Well, how do you know? How do you know a good bottle of wine?" And he said, "The price." You know, that was right. that uh, was what he said. Sure, you know? sure. So, yeah. um, generally, you can get the ghetto dates, which is like a bulk amount of dates uh-huh. in a specific thing, and it's it's a freshness issue. It's a fruit. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to get locally sourced dates generally from like, you know, the uncle that you know that can hook you up. Okay. That's generally how it goes. You know, um, so you know, you're you're if you're gonna go and, you know, chat with somebody or do whatever. But the thing is is there's there's sort of a staple amount of if you go into this the, the, the like a any store, um, but if you go into a, one of those a Muslim grocery store and you you know you can tell right off the bat you know, what's the, the, if you're spending five ninety nine for 2000 dates, you're going to get hammered on the freshness of those dates and, and then taste yeah. the flavor. Right. You generally, I, I look at it and I go, okay, it's going to be $10 for, you know, a small, for a handful of dates, maybe, maybe, you know, 
uh, you know, like this, the small bin of day. And if you go above the, your $10 range, you, you, I think you're doing well, you know, okay. for right. a, a party of 20 or 30 people. But you have to have them in the house. If you don't have them in the house, yeah. people freak out. It's not right. my cup of tea. You don't like the like dates? It's just, it, well, I'm suspicious of anybody's dates, period. Okay. It has to be a good date. You know, and so I'm, you're I'm just, you're just discriminating. You just don't want, you just don't want crappy dates. Yeah. And I just, I've, I've done that way. And then you, once you start it, you got to finish it. Yeah. That's, That's the true. problem. Yeah, it's true. So you don't want to be a bad. I typically you know, love dates. They're delicious. Well, it's, I mean, if you get. Of course, you know what, you know what we, we Gentiles do with dates sometimes. Uh Oh, what, what, what is this? This, is, this might be a hate crime. What? We wrap it in bacon. And oh yeah, yeah. No it. bacon wrapped dates. I've heard of that. Yeah, <laughs> you know. I mean, not do not serve your Muslim friends bacon wrapped dates during Ramadan yeah, that's not, or that's ever, not please. <laughs> that's not the best way to do it, you know. But I mean, I think that there's the the the, the kicker is this is the problem. Every time you get somebody who's like who's who's got like a PhD in dates because there's different types of dates. Oh. And this is the problem. Okay. All right. So here's the, you'll get into this thing and then there's, like, I know if I'm going to the UAE, you know, the United Arab Emirates, their, their iftar, which I was at their, their iftar last year, you're going to get some good dates. I bet. You know, you're going to get some good, it's like, you know, top dates, but there's Give me different... a bowl full, man. Yes, please. What's... Well, no, so well, just give me a bowl full. <laughs> well, you can, you can eat as much as you want, but the problem is the, then you're doing iftar, you're, then they're going to have dinner. And right. yeah, you don't want to fill up on the dates. You don't want to fill up on the dates because, you know, it's, it's a song and dance, but what's the reason for the dates? The reason for the date is, yeah. is it's like a blast of sugar because you've been fasting all day. Oh. And so it's supposed to give you like revive you. So you're not a zombie. You can oh. start thinking again. See, that's yeah. insightful. Yeah. That's fascinating. Yeah. Only and, here know, on crossing you, phase. Well, probably some other places too. But. Well, I, you know, but the thing is, is that the date, I, I know I'm going to, we're going to get down this road. All those like palm trees are date trees huh. in the Middle East. Huh. I did not know that. It, you know, they're, they're, they're actually oh. called. I'm kind of disappointed. I didn't know that. Like I, I figured you'd, you know, this, so here's the question. Were the palms for Palm Sunday for you? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, and now we just did it. Now I just made the interfaith link. I'm there pretty sure they were date trees. So, um, but there's all different types of dates. And, you know, there's, uh, you know, different sizes. There's different, you know, there's, like I said, you'll, you'll, you'll interact with somebody and he'll say, oh, is this a so-and-so date? And I'll be like, oh, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, and they'll be like, well, you can tell by doing this, you know. Okay. So there's like, there's like Dari Bari. There's the, 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 the Medjool date. Uh-huh. And I... I'll be honest with you. I, I, I don't know. I couldn't tell. All I know is, is that generally like I'm in the fig camp. That's where I'm at. All right. All right. I've always been a fig guy. All right. My grandfather, great grandfather, sure. all about figs. Okay. So, um, but it's, uh, it's, it's, you know, I'll, I'll do the dates and I'll, I'll rock it. But right. so anyways, so break the iftar is so the yeah, breaking iftar. of the fast. And you do and this, you do this every night, every night, night in iftar. iftar? Every night is iftar. Okay. Are and there the special end, iftars? Are there, well, like, you know, with, like you said. At the end of Ramadan? 
so well there's the end of Ramadan is Eid. Eid is everybody says Eid is like Christmas. They always make the corrections, but there's there's multiple Eids over okay. the year. The two biggies okay. are Eid al Fitr and Eid al Adha. Okay. So Eid al Fitr is the end of Ramadan. It's like three days of like celebration okay. and eating and breaking like the big fast. And then um, Eid al Adha is like thirty to forty five days later, and it's like the Eid of the celebration of sacrifice. Um, and the idea, when we could talk about that when that happens, but the idea okay. is that, is that it's, it's a, it's a celebration of purpose. Um, so okay. that's a whole nother song at the end, but the, the generally, all right, fasting is a, is a, is an obligation in Islam. It's one of the pillars. Mm-hmm. This is a, a, the, the, the revelation essentially of the, of the Quran, right. And the revealing of it. Um, and I always say this, there's four books in Islam that are important. It's the Torah, Psalms, Quran, and then the Injal, which is the um, uh, the, the New Testament, the, the, the priesthood of of Hazratis of Jesus, although it doesn't it's not, not it doesn't exist in its pure form. So we would probably call it sayings uh, or of of Hazadisa, a book that presumably exists. And it's sort of fabled to be like the cue, yeah. right? Documents, the, mm-hmm. a book of sayings or something. And then in Islam, you have the Quran, you have the Sunnah, which is the way of the the Prophet lived, and then Hadiths, which are sayings uh, from the Prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so in this case, it's the commemoration of the re- the revelation, the 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 revealing, the the transposing of the idea uh, the ideas in the Quran to to the prophet and so um, and that's why you read all the way through the Quran it's part of the tradition of if Qurans dis- are destroyed um, everyone has read through the Quran at least once a year goes through it um, and that could be either listening or reading um, you know sort of I my my, my shaykh always used to tell me because if you you're you, you don't really talk a lot when you're in the masjid but you're saying it all in your heart I always love that I just love that when yeah. you said that because I was like, oh, thank you, thank you, you know. So, um, um, Take, but, takes uh, the burden off mem- memorization, huh? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the, the the thing is, is that there's, and I'm sure there's politics within your community when there's a lot of people faking the fast, and there's a lot of people that are coming up with undiagnosed sicknesses during the fast. Mm. So I know we're, it's sensitive in this corona environment, but you know, everybody has fake diabetes, they can't fast, everybody yeah. does this, everybody does it. But there's a lot of pretense, a lot of people, they don't say that they're not fasting, they pretend that they're fasting. And so, uh-huh. um, yeah, so, so, it's, there's, so there's, a lot, there's a little bit of politics of, associated with it. Okay. Um, but, and, and, and a lot of times there's, a, there's an alternate work schedule. So you know, people right. will do, go in at six, or five yeah. and 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 then be off at two and then take the rest of the day and and most employers are pretty good with that yeah, you know? that, yeah that, that's a whole religious accommodation um, yeah issue yeah. That, that people have to navigate uh, so I think I have two like two main two more questions uh, that I well, want to get to before we wrap up yeah. <laughs> be afraid no um, so number one is by the by the time you reach the end of Ramadan what are you feeling? What are you hoping to feel? How are you thinking about the Ramadan experience? Right. So like we've kind of talked about the, the tactical nature of it and, and what it means, but when a, when a Muslim gets to the end of Ramadan, what, what's your kind of head space and heart space feeling like? 
Well, you know, so it's a physically taxing enterprise. So, so when you're going through it, there's a, you know, you're, 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 first of all, you're following a tradition that is, that has happened since the beginning. And I'm saying it predates formal is, is Islam, right? It predates the revolution. So, you know, everybody, remember we had this conversation about how's it, Jesus on the cross right. and how come he has the Jesus abs? Right. Yeah. And it was father John. He said, John. well, it's because he's, he's fasting. And I was like, yeah. Oh, God, that makes sense. So, it's a it's an Abrahamic tradition, and it's a tradition all over the place with all religions. But an Abrahamic tradition of fasting is you know plugging into something, and it's about discipline, mm-hmm. right? And everyone's plugging into the same discipline, and it's not something that you have to do. It's something that you obligated yourself to do, and you're sort of s- submitting you know to it. But in the same respect, you're atoning. So the idea is that there's like like you know like, like Papa used to fast all the time when he used to want to either atone for something or he used to pray. So he didn't just pray and say, I want, you know, please help me with this. He would say, I'm, I'm praying and I'm offering this fast for the next two days. And he would do these things so that, and to to have a sense of piety. Right. Um, and so at the end of Ramadan, you feel, I, I, I know how I feel. I feel one is more, I've taken this time of study once a year, this break from my normal routine where I've, obligated myself to maintain the discipline and therefore pour into religious study. You know, it's like, remember, like you went to Bible class, I'm assuming. And remember, you remember when you had, I'm sure you had a Bible with all these little tabs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the same, imagine going to Bible school once a year and you're just, you're going through the entire, all your tabs once a year. Uh And so you, you, you are, can recollect certain parts when you're saying, ah, this was so-and-so's favorite. Oh, this is this, this is that. I remember, okay, this is that. Plus, it's an, it's a the living word of, of Allah, right? The living word of God. So here you are, you're reading the Quran and you're saying to yourself, ah, I remember this part. And it could, the meaning could be, could, it can change as you evolve as an individual. So revisiting right. the entire text gives you the, the ability to, have your own, and I'm using Christian term, revelation yeah. uh, in in no maybe not knowing what's going on, and maybe knowing not knowing what was going on back in the day, and knowing what's going on right now, or being able to apply different parts of 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 the text to you to your yeah. to your being and who you are, and incorporate them. Yeah. And I think, so I think Christians can relate to that. I think uh, especially when we grow up, those of us who grew up in the church, learning Bible stories and and reading the Bible then. When you're grown up as an adult and have you know just better reading skills and reading comprehension, there are things in the text that you didn't get as a teenager or a kid or or even your twenties maybe. Yeah, and, and well, so that's number one. Number two is the sense to me is the sense of community really comes together. So, uh-huh. one of my friends really thoughtfully thoughtfully included me on a text chain, a Ramadan text chain, and it was. From a, from it, and, and so she lives in uh, in the United Arab Emirates, and so I'm getting like I normally get like sort of my Afghan family from from Afghanistan. I usually get this. They got the, some of the communities here, but this was I was put onto a new tech, a new you know WhatsApp chat text chain, and so you get a sense of community by engaging with the community. Um, physically, but there's all this communication back and forth and good tidings and stories that are shared uh, throughout the year and what's been happening. This that's elevates your sort of consciousness and your connection with the community. Um, you know, very, very much like 
like my friend sends out the, the Christmas Christmas newsletter, the Christmas newsletter. And it's like everything that they've done for the year. You know, it's right. like yeah. you know, Sally broke her that. leg while yeah. she was playing soccer, and yeah, yeah. you know, like that's definitely my subculture super, for sure. Right? There's right. There's like that. There's this, that superficial sort of component, but then there's also this idea that they're including you in their lives and right. including you what's going on. And with Corona, everybody's sending all this stuff around about how you know they're going out into communities and doing all kinds of stuff, you know, and um, and and so that's very that's very thoughtful right now, and and it's also. At the end, you're doing so much of it that you know you might you might you might be sick of the community and communicate. Right. But on the other side, <laughs> you feel very included. And as you know, as someone who is part of a religious minority within the Islamic faith, you know the only reason why I have all this connectivity is because of the American Islamic Congress. I engage the entire American Muslim community and beyond the international community, and I have a lot of contacts from there. But generally, I think I would, if I, if that wasn't the case, I would be within my own closed community, yeah. and which would be rewarding, but I wouldn't have the breadth and scope of the engagement. And so as someone who's a religious minority within, you know, within the within my own faith it's there's it has a, a, a more extended meaning for example this young lady who who re, who included me in this text chain she didn't have to do that you know she's a sunni she's um a, a different type of muslim and we have a, a very strong um professional relationship um but for her to do that was just immensely thoughtful immensely thoughtful and and it it, it meant the world to me uh for her to do that and so um, because I would, I'm communicating with a, a larger sort of Sunni community that's doing stuff that that she only she has access to, and mm-hmm. and uh, and particularly doing good works in the Middle East, and that so so there's that. And then on a spiritual level, I always learn something more about who I am and what I'm doing. And I've always been, I've always had a purpose. You know that, so I always know who I am and what I'm about. But the idea of you know, making sure that I'm engaging with as many people as I can and thoughtfully listening to them, but then going into my my next year, it's sort of a reset. This is what I'm going to be doing over the next year. This is what I'm going to be. Yeah. This is, and and I always find that my Islamic identity, my Muslim identity, evolves to something that is thematic for the year, yeah. and uh, and and it's it's. I never know what it's going to be until the end. Right. Uh, so. Yeah, that's helpful. Yeah, it's, All right, so here, are you ready for it? This is my last question. My God, yeah, for this episode, yeah. this might be difficult. Don't be, don't be fearful. So I think I so. We it. talked about engagement and uh, wishing someone happy Ramadan. And talked about uh, you know hanging out with Muslims during iftar. Yeah. So I want to ask a question mainly about iftar, but I think this is kind of a the crux of Christians who. Uh, they feel compelled um, spiritually and maybe convictionally that they need to uh, befriend their Muslim neighbor or love their Muslim neighbor, be hospitable to. But Islam, with words like iftar and Ramadan and uh, and all the uh, and all these things, are just unfamiliar to us, and we're we tend to be lazy and not commit things to memory very easily, and so we don't know what these words mean. We want to be hospitable. But we're concerned that, say, even if I was invited to an iftar, what am I participating in? Meaning, it's one thing to hang out with Muslims and have delicious food, 
but is there, am I committing something spiritually? Am I committing like a spiritual act, right? That commits me in, in some way that's affirming Islam, that's contrary to the Christian faith, right? That's the, that's kind of a question I think that not a lot of people ask, but it's in their, it's in their brains. For example, if I, as a Protestant show up to a Catholic church, right? I'm not going to take communion because I know that act in that church, in that tradition means something different to them than it does to me. Right. And so I think, I think theological, theologically conservative Christians have that kind of caution in mind, even if they don't state it, uh, or, or enunciate it, that's a, that's a concern. Right. So if it's just hanging out with Muslims, having food, great, but, I don't having, you know, if someone's never experienced the niftar, what's, what's going to happen during that? Uh, and is it okay? You know, I think the question, the, the short version, the question, is it okay for a Christian to, uh, attend an iftar? Does that make sense? Can you give us some guidance on that? There's no spiritual transaction other than the goodwill that you feel yeah. by interacting with someone else or a community. Mm-hmm. There's no spiritual transaction. And what I mean by that from a theological sense, you might feel something, but, sure. but you're not, there's no, it's not, there's not like a spiritual or explicit, it's not like a ritualistic in, thing that you'll be expected to partake in. You can, if you want, look, when I used to do iftars at AIC all the time, I would bring people in and I would say, you know, come on in and you come, come, come with me, come in, come to the Janamas. So, you know, you can just sit on the Janamas, you don't have to do anything just to see and hear what we're doing. Right. And I'll, I can translate what's going on, you know, during sure. one of the prayer cycles before or after I've done my, my, you know, broken the fast, done my prayers, my mugger prayers, just to see it. Um, and, but you don't have to do that. So generally this is, you know, this is the short answer to you is there's no, there's no, you're not giving up anything spiritually right. or you're not, you're not expending any kind of spiritual currency not, by not, not breaching any kind of theological conviction. Well, if you're, but I mean, if you're, I don't know what your pastors are saying, but you know, yeah. that's, you know, like I know you guys are, you know, fire and brimstone type type of people. So you know, there's all that business. We're but the, they're theological precisionists is the, is the, is right, the term right. I, I, I like to like, like to use. Right. So, I mean, here's the thing on the Muslim side, it is an obligation to be a good host okay. and being a, and, and there's no, there's no pretense of coercive conversion or predatory proselytizing. Right. So you would have to declare, you'd have to do the Shahada to say you're Muslim. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, like it doesn't say that right? a couple of times. So the, but that, that's not going to happen. And if someone's saying it around you, it doesn't, right. it doesn't mean in your absentia that you're, it's happening. <laughs> so it's, 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 By virtue so of the, your silence, right? you're not I mean, one of so, us. <laughs> so you show up, let's just walk through it. You should, you see your friends invite you to Iftar. You show up and you have a bunch of hungry, angry Muslims, which is probably maybe not the best scenario <laughs> that you want to be in, but there, there's a, there's a payoff. The payoff is, is that there's a lot of good food on the other side of that. Usually the, if everybody shows up to Iftar, a half hour, 15 minutes before some guys just roll in there, there's a lot of gab and talking. 
you break the fast, they roll it, rock, everybody rocks around with like orange juice and, and the dates. The Muslims take the dates and then they disappear. They'll go to the prayer room and they'll yeah. do their Maghrib prayer. Then from there, they just go to dinner. A lot of times, they don't, people don't even see the prayer space and prayer time. Okay. Um, but there were people, I would always invite, I'd say, just come if you want to see it. It's not a big deal. And then I would, what I would do is I would break, I would, I would do Maghrib prayer and then I would stay, I'd have them watch it. Then I'd stay and then I'd translate what, the second phase of, of people coming in because usually there's not enough space, yeah. and then uh, and tell them well, this is what this is what they're saying, this is what's going on, blah blah blah. And for those who cared, and then go up to to wherever it was where the the the, your, the, the meal was. So, it, you know, here's the thing: on the low end, you 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 see people eating dates, and then they go pray and come back, and you guys have a big dinner. Yeah. You know, um, it's it's an obligation. It's to be a good host and to include different faith communities within, within, uh, iftar. And it's, it's a tradition. It's been something that's been a larger tradition of, of Islam. Um, and just keep in mind, nobody cared about Muslims before world war two. Nobody even knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. And then post world war two, and really in the, since 1980 in the 79, you had yeah. Shia militants and, and and Wahhabi militants really sort of gaining speed, right? Uh, and and only for really the last thirty years has there been a, a, a people have known about Muslims enough to to be a frightened with them of them and concerned. Um, and but but everything before that was a multi faith enterprise. Um, and yeah, we had our little bits and bobs with the, uh, the Crusades and this and that, but. You know these things happen, but there, there is some military. Sides. There is some military militaristic conquest in the. Well, history. but that goes back and forth. You know what I mean? It ebbs and flows. You know, we're talking That's, about those are so, conversations for another time. Yeah, yeah. Let's you know. So you know, I mean, you guys, the the, the Protestants and the uh, the Catholics were warring for you know yeah, hundred years. Or so yeah. um, more than that. Yeah. So there was all kinds of business going. So the fact of the matter is, is that that there is a a. Um, you know, the, the, there was a, there's a there was a tradition of of engagement and inclusiveness, and that and and taking advantage of that is it's it gives a dividend not only to your community, but the fact of the matter is is that you're gonna try you're gonna have some really delicious food, yeah. and it's 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 a it's an opportunity to ask questions and and engage because there's so much reflection going on. That individuals are, are are trying very hard to look inward, while maintaining a sort of outward engagement um, with within their own communities. But certainly, the prized possession, um, and this is maybe sounds bad, is when you have more other faith communities come in, so that you can you can they can enjoy iftar, which is. You know, when I was in when I was in high school, military school, we, we used to it, the, they used to have you know, pizza and all kinds of stuff at the at the monastery Ramadan, and it was really cool. You know, you'd be fasting all day, and then you know you'd have all this 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 food at your disposal, and uh, and and everybody's eating to the way wean hours the way you know way hours of the night, and then the idea is that you know the next morning you're having to have a big huge breakfast, and then and then go out to the day. So, so I did I answer your question? You did. No, yeah. delightfully. Yeah. That was fine. That was great. Yeah. This has been really yeah. helpful. This is going to be, I think I'm going to title this Ramadan Explainer. Okay. That's okay. good, right? I mean, we, we riffed on some other stuff, but the bulk of this, this has been really helpful, I think. Well, my friend, Godspeed on your paper, and uh, I, I'll get back to mine, and uh, we'll see each other next week. 
Yeah, you too as well, my friend. This has been Crossing Phase with Matt Hawkins and John Penna, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show, consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting crossingphase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcast, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter, at mthawk, at jtpinna, or at Crossing Phase. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at thevajratemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaiths.com.